to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. I'm Andrew Nichols. And today on the show, we're talking house price predictions and forecasts. Ooh. Now, it's so... What? What was that about? <laughs> it, just, it was quite an ominous sound. I know. It was like spooky because it's glass balls and, and, and stargazing. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, okay. Now, this is really interesting to talk about in the light of all of the changes that are going on in the property market at the moment. And I remember that when the first government changes were announced, one of the long-term listeners of the show, Kathy, thanks for listening, by the way. Kathy who? Faulkner. Kathy Faulkner. Oh, actually, I ran into Alan on the way back to Christchurch yesterday, and I said, hi, how are you? Coming down to Christchurch. And he said, I listened to your podcast on the way to the airport today about all the changes that had happened in the last 12 months. He's like, so much changes. We forget how much change has been. I'm glad that he got that because yeah. that was the key point about the episode. I know Kathy, his wife, listens on her way into the city every day on the ferry. Yeah. So there we go. Now <laughs> a large portion of New Zealand knows about the fuckness. <laughs> now, when these government changes were introduced, Kathy said, well, what's the point of investing in property anymore? Are we still going to get capital growth? Now, the really interesting thing is that we have had predictions come out both from the Reserve Bank and from Treasury about future house price increases, what they expect might happen. And I need to do a very special shout out in this episode to Tony Alexander, independent economist and friend of the show, because he's done some really good analysis, which we're going to go through today about saying, well, we've got these forecasts from the central bank and from the treasury. How accurate do we expect these to be? So we're going to go through this. Now, first of all, let me talk treasury data. So they're predicting that in 2021, when all is said and done, Capital growth of about 17.3%. Now, I think that's pretty accurate. And look, we've already had that growth. That growth has already happened. It's probably going to be quite flat over the next six months. 2022, they're predicting about 0.9%. So they're looking at a massive slowdown. So we were going 170k an hour down the highway. They're expecting we're going to go back to about 10k an hour, to use that analogy. Then they're looking at a pickup to about 2.1 to 2.5% every year up through 2025. So they're looking at a slow and steady around that 2 to 2.5% per year creeping up over that time. So house price is not going backwards, but moving back to that kind of 25k an hour, going slow, steady, still moving forward. Let's talk about the Reserve Bank now, because they also released an interesting forecast. Now, interesting for them, they don't release their data and they cite copyright restrictions about why they don't release the exact figures. I do think in part, maybe it's because they know that people like us would just share it (laughs) and say exactly what it was. But certainly for March 2022, it's looking like they're predicting from the year before that about 3.9% growth and somewhere between 2.6 to 5.6 annual growth up until the end of the projection period, which was about 2024, 2025. So the Reserve Bank certainly is forecasting a higher growth rate than Treasury. Now, just before we get into the substantive part of the episode where we interrogate these forecasts and say, well, how accurate are they likely to be? What are your feelings about this, Andrew? If we saw, let's take the Treasury, the more conservative projection, 2.1 to 2.5% per year over that three-year period, What do you reckon about that? Look, it would not stop me investing. And and actually, as you're waffling on, I was just scribbling down some notes. And one of the key things that I always remind myself in investing is normally I'm investing with someone else's money. I'm using equity and borrowing 
bank's money and getting a return on their money, which is awesome. Even if you're putting in a 20% cash deposit yourself because you're buying a new build and you can borrow 80%, you're getting five times whatever this return is on your money because you're leveraging 80%. So two times five is 10%. Still not a bad return on my money. Other thing to factor in as well, if you're going to be using a cash deposit, is the cash flow off the property, which would be much more significant because your mortgage costs are lower. Now, Tony's done some great analysis talking about whether these projections may be right or whether they may be wrong. And to cut to the punchline, his belief is that, generally speaking, certainly the Treasury predictions around that 2.5%, much too conservative in his view. He's given six reasons which I wanted to detail today. Number one, and this is a direct quote from Tony Alexander, all forecasts of flat to falling house prices since the late 1980s have been wrong. And the most recent one was lockdown. So back then they were predicting 20% house drops and a lot of mortgagee sales. Well, a year on from that, house prices are up 24 to 29% depending on the data set. Other reason why we might expect these to be a bit too conservative is that house prices tend to rise when economic growth starts to pick up. So we're expecting quite a boom in the economy, incomes to rise, labour to continue to be scarce, there'll be lots of jobs around and certainly we haven't seen as much unemployment as we were expecting 12 months ago. And so the interesting thing is that Treasury is predicting a lot of stimulus in the economy and yet are only expecting... 0.9% growth in house prices. So for me, two and two's not making four here. Things aren't adding up because we're expecting the same environment that would create some house price inflation. I'm not talking 20% again, but we're looking at factors that would encourage house prices to grow slightly faster than what they're predicting, but that's not what they're suggesting. So I'd expect them to be a little bit higher than what they've said here. Next is that Treasury predicts no increase to either mortgage interest rates or bank term deposit rates until 2025. So the term deposit rates, and we've covered this before, you know, if you're getting a really poor return on your money in a term investment, then people look for alternate investments. And if an alternate investment is to put that money as a deposit on an investment property, then they're switching one investment type to another. And so that drives the property side of things. Low interest rates also have had a major impact on the demand that we're seeing now. And Treasury is saying that the main reason for this 29% surge in house prices is because of these low interest rates. And if they're going to continue to stay low and they're saying, well, there's no real increase in house prices, then that doesn't make sense to us. We think that interest rates will rise earlier than this. But, you know, again, if they rise 2%, so almost double, you're still at 4%, it's still cheap money. Number four on this list of why I think that Treasury forecast is probably a bit conservative is that while investors say they're pulling back, and certainly if you're reading some of the surveys, I know Tony does an absolutely great one with the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand, talking to real estate agents and surveying real estate agents, investors are saying that they're pulling back. But when you look historically at the property investment community is sometimes we talk a big game. We say we're not going to invest. We say we're all up in arms about this and no, investors are going to pull out. But action doesn't always follow that rhetoric. They're often in a bit of imbalance. We say, well, we're not going to do this. We're going to put rents up. We're going to do this. Doesn't always materialise. And so certainly I think that a lot of the rhetoric coming out of the property investment community and that anger 
isn't going to be followed by people falling out of love with property. Because people say that rugby is the national sport. I would argue that investing in property is basically the national <laughs> pastime at the moment. That's not going to change quickly because it's an ingrained, embedded behaviour. Number five, Andrew. And this kind of goes to that same point. So the government hopes that Kiwis will grow their wealth instead of through property, but investing in productive assets, so in businesses and shares, things that are going to stimulate the economy. But let's face it, we just don't do that because most of the people that we would work with, investors that are building a property portfolio, they don't have a lot of cash to be investing in these things. And maybe their risk appetite just doesn't allow them to go down that path. If their business folds or the shares take a bit of a hit, that's going to really upset them and they're not going to be able to weather the storm. But property you know, is a bit more stable, I guess, in terms of those downturns. The downturns seem to be less over a shorter period of time. Is, is, that, is that okay to say that, economist said? Sorry, I was looking at my next point, actually. <laughs> I'm just going to go with it then. So I take no responsibility for what he just said because <laughs> I wasn't listening. <laughs> so I think that it is great to think that people will go out and you know, if they're not investing in property, they're going to go and start a business. They're going to go and invest in someone else's business and put money into this economy, but it just doesn't happen. And certainly I would argue that you are putting money into the economy every time you buy a house I, because I agree, but you're giving not- money to somebody else. Nonetheless, number six and... This one's a bit controversial. Oh, I love these ones. Because I have, well, it's, it's a nerdy one, but it's controversial because I know that the CoreLogic guys listen to this podcast as well. Treasury uses CoreLogic data when they've been making these forecasts, whereas from what I've seen, the Reserve Bank is using Real Estate Institute of New Zealand data. Now, you might say to me, Ed, what sort of difference does this actually make? Look, the CoreLogic data, and they're using a three-month house price index that they put together, it's gone up by something like... 17, 18% over the last 12 months. The Rhines index is somewhere up around that 22, 24%. And the reason behind this is the Rhines index is a lot more volatile. It actually only includes fewer sales on the market because it only accounts for what real estate agents have sold, not what have been sold privately. Now, I realise that this is quite nerdy, but the reason I want to get it across is that because I know that the Rheinstadt is a bit more aggressive, it shows a bigger increase than what we've seen in the core logic data. If I was an analyst at Treasury wanting to give some good news to my minister because I know they want house prices to be low and flat, I would tend to use the core logic data set because I know that it is more stable and that the house price increases haven't been as large as what have been shown in some other data sets. So this is nerdy. I know this is nerdy, but because they're using one particular data set, it's not that I'm saying CoreLogic data is wrong. I would never say that. But certainly they have used what I consider to be a more conservative data set than perhaps what the Reserve Bank have been doing. And you can see that in that the Reserve Bank's forecasts are more than twice that, they're twice as high as the Treasury's forecast. So A lot of these models, a lot of these forecasts, these predictions are based on the data you feed them. Change the data set, you get a more aggressive or a less aggressive answer. And so certainly, again, if I was an analyst at Treasury, I'd be using this particular data set. You economists, you're worse than car dealers. Yeah, it's number six. That wasn't actually Tony's one. That was my own one. (laughs) That was just your rent. Yeah, that was. So (laughs) it was good. So those are some of the reasons. Those are the six reasons that we believe those, at least the Treasury, are too conservative. And Tony's also given us a great analogy of the layer cake. The layer cake. Great guy, Richie Film. I'd love to know how he makes this into an analogy for this. I don't even know what that is. Okay. But what he said is <laughs> you that are a nerd. if you can imagine a three-tier cake, a wedding cake, if you will. <laughs> so 
if you can put the different factors that are stimulating the property market, we can put them across those three. Now, the top one, we've already eaten. The second layer, we're already eating through. And those factors are still around, but they're having less of an impact. The bottom of that cake, that foundation. That's the one that's going home to the freezer. Those ones, that, that's already in the freezer because those are going to be preserved for a long time. So I just want to discuss what each of these layers are. So first, the ones that have already gone, they've been in, they've had their impact and they've gone now. This is the chocolate ghetto layer of the cake. Always goes first. You can tell that you're planning a wedding because <laughs> you actually are thinking Absolutely about this. Absolutely not. So top layer already gone. LVRs being reduced. They're back on, their effect is gone. People who have rejoined the market hoping for some mortgagee sales, it's quite of hilarious now to look back at the people who are like, yeah, we're going to get me some mortgagee sales during lockdown. <laughs> It didn't happen, no. gone, that momentum's gone. And savings from lockdown, when we were all in our homes for seven weeks, saving a lot of money, that money's all been spent now. Let's get into the layer, Andrew, that is being eaten through. So still some remnants of it there, but it's going. So the first thing is FOMO. So right now there is still quite a bit of FOMO out there in the market. People still wanting to get in before prices go up anymore. Expats still returning. We're going to see this for a little bit longer now, especially when the borders open more. Delayed travel. So again, we can get to the Cook Islands now, we can get to Australia, but we're not traveling overseas to Europe. We're not spending all our money over there. And so there's still surplus savings from these holidays that we're spending here at home on houses and boats and cars and all those kind of things. And we've had this change in environment with work. We can work from home a lot more. So often we are looking for a new house with some extra space so we can set up a home gym and set up our workspace. And then finally, brr, it's cold in here. There must be some stimulus that the Treasury fears, the ones that are still going to be in place for a long time. And if anybody hasn't seen that movie, you've got to go watch Bring It On. Oh, I'm sorry, people. Great teen movie. <laughs> Layer cake versus Bring It On. This is certainly a glimpse into the minds of your hosts. You can tell this was recorded on a Sunday. <laughs> so four factors here. Shortage of properties. It's got to be around for a long time. Low interest rates, we expect that they'll increase a little bit, but they're still going to be low for a long time. Similarly, low deposit rates, pushing investors into property, and then parents helping kids. And this is a big one. Parents using that equity that they've now built up because house prices have gone up by a quarter, and then using that to help their kids get into the property market where they might otherwise not have been able to. Those stimulatory factors are still going to be there for a long time. But just before we wrap up, Andrew, talk to us, what's an appropriate figure when we're doing long-term property forecasts, when people listening to the show are running their numbers, what should they put in as a gut feel for property price rises over the long term? So for us, we tend to use around 6%, depending on the suburb, if you're investing in Auckland, and that's with the caveats that we're not talking apartments, so we're talking a house or a townhouse. For the rest of the country, we tend to use around 45 to 5%, again, depending on the suburb or whether or not we know something specific about the location. What I tend to say to people, though, is why don't you do your return on investment calculator and have a conservative figure? a realistic figure, and then an ambitious figure. Just so you know, you're not writing off a deal just because you've set your numbers to too much of a conservative level, but you also have a worst case scenario as well. And if someone was modelling out how much they need in wealth for retirement, start with something like 5%, and then once you achieve that goal, then maybe reduce everything to 4% and then add something else on so that you've always got these different milestones. And then for Tony, depending on which 
Tony's view, your reading. For anybody who doesn't know, he puts out a PDF every week discussing a whole heap of factors about the economy. And if you want to sign up for that, I think his website is tonyalexander.nz. Depending on which issue of that you read, he usually uses somewhere between 4 and 5%. So we're pretty on par with him, pretty on par certainly with the RBNZ forecasts as well. Hey, look, let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you've got a topic that you'd like us to talk about on the show, whip out your phone and send us a text. Our number is 5522. It'd be great to hear from you. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. I'm Andrew Nichols. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time. <laughs>